Welcome to the FarmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. FarmD Nation, welcome into episode number 10 of the FarmD Money Podcast. I am your host, Derek Delaney. Thank you guys for joining me today. You know, the thrill of investments working out is a phenomenal feeling. You put in the time to do the research, you figure out what you want to buy. At the perfect time, you make the purchase after mustering up enough bravery to do so. And then a couple years go by and you realize that the price of that investment has appreciated quite substantially and you get the benefit of selling it for hopefully a big profit. However, don't forget there are very few instances where you are able to earn a profit on an investment and not owe the IRS any sort of tax money. So in this episode, we're going to dive into capital gain taxes. What are they? When will you owe them? And how do they affect the other taxes you'll owe through the earned income of something like the salary of your job? So to start, it's not uncommon for pharmacist households to make well into six six figures of income in a given year. Uh, Recently, the University of Minnesota's College of Pharmacy came out and said that the average graduate starting salary is $106,000. Now, I know that's lower than what it has been in the past, but if you're married and your significant other works, it will put you over that six-figure threshold pretty easily. For older pharmacists, it's probably a little bit higher than that. That salary that you earn as a pharmacist gets taxed at what we call ordinary income tax rates. It's called ordinary income and it gets shuffled through ordinary income tax brackets. A lot of you might know that those tax brackets right now are set at 10%, 12%, 22%, 24, 32, 35, and 37. The more money you make, the higher you reach those income tax brackets. So a pharmacist having a taxable income of, we'll say, $125,000 a year and a spouse that earns $75,000 a year would put their total household taxable income into the 24% bracket. And that is assuming that they file a joint tax return. Now, not all of their income would get taxed at 24%. It's a sliding scale where the first $19,900 would be taxed at 10%, the next 61,000 would be taxed at 12, the next 91,000 would be taxed at 22%, and the final 27,000 in change would be taxed in that 24% bracket. So if you did the math, your effective rate or the average tax on each dollar you earn would be around 18%. So for every taxable dollar you earn, you would owe 18% in tax in that scenario underneath the ordinary income tax bracket which is, again, what your income would fall into and how you would determine how much tax is owed on that income. So there's the ordinary income tax bracket, and then there's the capital gain taxes, and they are different than ordinary income. So capital gains are the tax on any profit earned on the sale of some sort of asset. Now, there are two things you have to be aware of when it comes to capital gains. The first one is, are your capital gains going to be considered long-term or short-term? Long-term capital gains are any assets that were held for investment over one year. Any profit on those type of long-term capital gains would get taxed in at whatever capital gains tax rate you fall into that year. And then there are short-term capital gains where if it's an investment that you held for less than one year or equal to one year, that 
profit would be taxed at whatever your ordinary income tax rates are in that year. So for the sake of uh, the rest of the conversation, we're going to assume that whenever we talk about capital gain taxes, we're going to assume they are long-term capital gains and they will be taxed at capital gain tax rates. What are those rates? Well, they're different than ordinary income tax rates. They are 0% up to 80,000, 15% from 80 up to a little under 500,000, 496,600 to be exact. And then any capital gain income or any income above 496,600, any capital gain taxable income will be taxed at 20% when your total income threshold reaches above that amount. Also, and I know some of you will probably be aware of this, that once you reach over $250,000 of taxable income, a 3.8% surtax gets added on to any capital gain tax. But for simplicity purposes, we're not going to go there. We're just going to assume that for now, long-term tax brackets fall at 0%, 15%, and 20%. So the big question then is, how do capital gain taxes align with and get used with your ordinary income taxes that you're going to have to pay through the earned income of your job? And this becomes really important because... Changes in one can affect the other. Changes in the other won't affect one. To make that more clear, capital gains do not affect how much tax you pay on your earned income or your salary from your job. So if you're earning $125,000 as a pharmacist and you have $30,000 of capital gains that year, your $125,000 is going to get taxed the same regardless of if you have additional capital gains on top of that or not capital gain profit gets stacked on top of your ordinary income. So your ordinary income could actually affect how your capital gains get taxed and how much of your capital gain profit could get taxed in any single year. So you have your ordinary income, which most likely for pharmacists will be their salary, and any capital gain, which is the profit of a sale of an investment, gets stacked on top of that. To make it a little more clear, here's an example. We're going to assume Tom and married or Tom and Mary are a married couple and they file a married filing jointly tax return. Tom is retired and Mary works part-time for an independent family-owned pharmacy. We'll say Mary makes about $80,000 a year and that would relate to about $54,900 in taxable income. So not a huge income, but they're retired. So it really doesn't make that big of a difference to them because we'll assume they keep their expenses low. Now let's say that Tom is really into investing in his own taxable brokerage investment account while he's retired. It gives him something to do during the day. And we'll assume that Tom bought XYZ stock three years ago for $1,000. And because Tom is such a great investor, three years later, that same stock is now worth $16,000. So he decides to ring the register and he realizes a profit of $15,000. Bought it for one, sold it for 16. He earned $15,000 on that investment that he has held for three years. So for tax purposes, Mary and Tom would take Mary's taxable income from her part-time job and they would add or stack on top of that Tom's capital gain of $15,000, which would total a taxable income of about $69,900. So again, not too extraordinary, but that part-time salary will get run through those ordinary income tax brackets like we talked about the full, before, the 10, the 12, the 22, the 24, and so on. That $15,000 of profit from the stock sale will get run through the capital gains tax brackets. However, since their total taxable income 
is below 80,000, if you'll remember, a total was 69.9, that means that that capital gain that Tom earned from the sale of his stock, that 15,000, will actually fall into the 0% capital gain bracket, which means that $15,000 of profit that Tom earned will not be taxed. Again, going back, those capital gains tax bracket, 0% up to $80,000 of income. It's 15% up to four hundred ninety-six. Since Tom and Mary only had a total taxable income that year of 69900 they would fall into that 0% tax bracket for capital gains because that goes from 0 to 80000 and they fall within that range. Their total taxes due then, based off of Mary's part-time work and the $15,000 of profit Tom earned that won't be taxed, is $6,190, which is great because the average tax they pay on each dollar earned in that year would be right around 8 to 9%. So every dollar you earn, you'd pay 8 or 9 cents in tax. Now, let's assume that at the end of the year, Tom also decides to pull money from his IRA. He worked for many years, he contributed to a 401k, and then when he retired, he transferred that or rolled that money over into an IRA. So he's got a bunch of money sitting in his IRA, and he decides come December... He wants to take a trip, so he's going to withdraw $25,000 out of his IRA to pay for that. That withdrawal out of an IRA will count as ordinary income. So it will fall into the same category as Mary's part-time earned income salary from her part-time job. So now their ordinary income total goes from 54900 up to 79000 $900. Again, we have the $25,000 of IRA withdrawal plus the $54,900 of taxable income Mary earned from her part-time job. So on top of that $79,900, you'll have to stack Tom's $15,000 capital gain, his $15,000 profit from that stock sale on top of that, which means now their total taxable income goes up from 69900 before to 94900 which is important because that $94,900 of taxable income now has crossed that $80,000 0% capital gain threshold into the 15% capital gain threshold. And because those capital gains get stacked on top, almost all of his capital gain now from that $15,000 profit on that stock sale will not be taxed at a 0% rate, but instead will be taxed at a 15% rate in the 15% bracket. So now after all that said and done, their new tax due would be $15,687. So essentially that $25,000 of IRA income distribution or withdrawal at the end of the year that Tom took out to pay for that trip he has coming up will cost him $9,497 in tax, meaning that additional $25,000 withdrawal was taxed at a marginal rate of 38% because not only will that $25,000 be taxed at the ordinary income tax brackets that again will be a little bit higher than they were before because their ordinary income will be higher, but that $15,000 profit that he had a 0% tax rate on before through those capital gains will now get pushed up to the 15% bracket. So the difference of him taking out $25,000 is a 38% marginal tax rate hit on that withdrawal, which is kind of crazy to think about. So the moral of the story is that if you find yourself bumping up to a new capital gains bracket and you have a big capital gain liability out there already in the middle of the year, 
Just be very careful and think very carefully about adding additional income through something like an IRA distribution or withdrawal at the end of the year. I know a lot of people like to do Roth conversions at the end of the year, and if you find yourself in this situation, it could end up being that a Roth conversion could actually do more harm than good considering all the other things you may have on your tax return that might snowball into higher tax rates by adding more income into the ordinary income tax bubble, so to speak, at the end of the year. Now, I know mid, most mid-career pharmacy families won't have that issue because they usually find themselves well within the 15% capital gains tax bracket because, again, that tax bracket goes from 80000 to 496000 and I know a lot of pharmacist families probably are not going to exceed that 496000 tax bracket, but this is where rates sit today. And if rates get lowered in the future or if they get changed or more brackets get added to the capital gains tax brackets, a lot of pharmacists could end up having to think about this more in the future when they start putting ordinary income and taxable gain profit on their tax return together. So to recap, capital gains are the the profit earned after the sale of some sort of asset. Capital gains can be long-term or short-term. Long-term capital gains get taxed in capital gain tax brackets. Short-term capital gains get taxed in ordinary income tax brackets. Almost always, ordinary income tax brackets will spin off more tax owed than capital gain taxes. So it's almost always in your best interest, if you can, to make sure that if you incur any sort of capital gains, any profit on the sale of an investment, make sure it's long-term. If you're looking for more information about the podcast, myself, or FarmDFP, Feel free to visit the firm's website at farmdfp.com. Also, feel free to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, FarmD Financial Planning, for more great insight. Email podcast at farmdfp.com with questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about. Finally, until next time, FarmD Nation, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.